Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Hello, everyone. It's here. It's here, Mac. <laughs> Mac, stop. Stop laughing. Get serious. All right. Come on, it's KG. time to make some picks. It is Friday, <laughs> and we are so excited to be bringing you some college football content, some ACC football. We're going to break down every single game. We're going to talk about it. I, I am so excited. And yeah, Mac's laughing. Yeah, we laugh. No, no, no. This is serious, Mac. This is serious. It's time. You are locked in, KG. <laughs> Come on. Let Before we get too serious, I actually have some really fun <laughs> news to announce to all our listeners. We have a new partner on the podcast, our great friends over at Seaside Grown. I'm jacked up to get this family involved, this brand involved with our podcast. I've worked with them for many years, and now to be officially with us here on the podcast is a lot of fun. The Seaside Grown brand They've been a part of a rich 120-year history of a family-owned, sustainable farming in South Carolina's low country. Guys, that just shows you they've been doing something right for a long, long time. They have 19 true field-to-glass products from their award-winning Bloody Mary mixes to delicious salsas, jams, sauces, and seasonings. Kelly, you have a care package coming. I hope it gets oh, there before so Saturday. Ready. Because you get a taste all this great stuff that I've had myself for, for many years. But guys, all of their products are made fresh from produce in the Seaside Grown Farm or other American farms they partner with. All 19 of their products are also bottled in their own commercial packing facility, which provides unprecedented traceability for consumers. They know exactly where the food in the bottle comes down to, all the way down to an acre, KG. Can you imagine knowing wow. exactly where this is. And really one of my most favorite parts of their labeling of their bottling is they have a little seal, if you will, kind of on their label that says, this is from Paul's backfield. This is from Biggs field. This, they know exactly where it's from. And that's just so cool to me. It's local. It's people right here in South Carolina. Um, and we'll tell you a little bit more about our friends from Seaside Grown in a second, but first KG, let's get to our big three, excuse me, big Four. There's so many games Ooh. breakdown for this weekend. Yeah, you and I were talking as we were getting ready for football season, and we were wondering how we only broke down three games last year. And we are in our big three breakdown. We talked every game, but in the big three, and we realized it's because ACC teams were all playing each other. That's right. So it was easy. <laughs> there were no non-conference games. So we got to talk about the big four for this weekend. And this is a huge weekend, opening weekend. There's so many great games. So let's start with a game that we've talked about a lot this week. So we're not going to spend too much time on it, but we spent a lot of time in our preview episode on Monday talking Clemson and, of course, with Wes Blankenship on Wednesday. So make sure you listen to those if you missed them. But let's start with the game of the weekend, the game that everyone from coast to coast is going to be watching, Mac. Number three, Clemson versus number five, Georgia, 730 kickoff on ABC. Clemson is a three-point favorite, and the over-unders at 51 and a half. By the way, this is the Dukes-Mayo Classic. Shout out to our friends Shout out. at Come Dukes on. in Charlotte. I will be at the game. Mac, I know you will be in Connecticut, so um, bless your heart, as we say down here. <laughs> But you're going to have a great time. You're going to be talking all the games on the huddle. So that's going to be great. I, I'm so excited for this game, Kelly. I mean, this this is a national championship level game week one. I mean, what else could we ask for? Even if you don't like either one of these teams, 
you can be so jacked up and excited for the level of mm-hmm. competition you're about to see, the star power that you're about to see uh, from from offense to defense to everything in between. This game has it, and, and KG, I cannot wait to see it. Clemson, you know, we're we're looking at a new era. We're we're looking at uh, the, yeah. the DJU era, if you will, for Clemson. Who's going to step up at running back? Is it going to be Will Shipley? Is it going to be Kobe Pace? Who, who's going to be the guy that ultimately leads the Tigers there? And then you know the defense, they're going to be lights out, and and can't wait to see them in this type of atmosphere for the Tigers, uh, especially that defensive line. Those guys are. Uh, they're terrifying to say the least. What did you call? I think a couple day, a couple episodes ago, you called them disgusting. They they are disgusting, which I thought was very fitting. <laughs> Just the the depth and the star power is yeah uh, no an doubt. embarrassment of riches. So when it comes for me in this game, Mac, I think that both fan bases would argue that their guy is the more proven guy, right? I think Georgia fans would argue JT Daniels. Look at his last four games; he was excellent. You heard West Blankenship talking about his performance at Missouri, right? And in Cincinnati, they won the game. And he was, he was fine. He was pretty good against Cincinnati. And then with DJU, Clemson fans say, well, look, we did against Notre Dame. Come on, this guy's proven. So for me, it's which of these quote-unquote proven players, because arguably neither of them are that proven, but which of these guys is, is the best under these bright lights? That's what it comes down to. And I hate to boil it down to quarterbacks. This is not just quarterbacks. But it's funny to me how each fan base thinks their guy is the proven guy. And we're going to find out on Saturday. I'm glad we get to find out. And then even more so when you look at Justin Ross, Clemson fans would argue he's proven. And he is, but not in 2021. Zamir White, he's a dude. He's Zeus. Yeah, but is he going to be able to run for 100 yards against Clemson's defense? That's how I see this breaking down. Even with Clemson's D-line, a lot of those guys are budding superstars, but can they do it on, on the biggest stage? So that I think that's going to be one of the big storylines here, Mac. And you've talked about it with Georgia. We've talked about it with Georgia. They've had injury concerns. And I find it very curious. I want your thoughts on this. Georgia, at least as of now, as of our recording date here, has yet to put out a depth chart. Clemson put out a depth chart, but it's very vague. There's like 32 oars on there. I counted them. <laughs> so I think the injury concerns for Georgia are definitely valid. That's going to be an issue. I know their running back room is stacked. And you have specifically on the other side for Clemson a couple players that you are keeping an eye on and one young guy specifically, too, on defense. Yeah, well, well, just going back to looking at those quarterbacks, I mean, I, I think that, that there's a lot of excitement and, and maybe a lot of overhype about JT Daniels. I mean, there's a reason he left USC. There's a reason that he transferred. And this isn't a Joe Burrow situation where he's walking into – you know, first round draft picks everywhere you look along the offense at, at wide receiver. Now they're there, they're just injured and, and not going to be playing. And so it's a little bit of a different situation when, when you, another thing to really pay attention to a, as a part of JT's game, Kelly, is look at how many times he was sacked mm. this year in four games. It, it is a large number, nearly a double digit number over double digit, excuse me, where that's not good. And, and he is going to be under pressure a lot schematically, personnel-wise, with what Clemson does. Uh, so it, 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 that could be a very interesting key to this game. But looking at Clemson's defense and, and looking at some of the you know young guys that I think are going to play a lot, number one, Andrew Makuba at safety. He is a guy that Coach Dabo Sweeney and Coach Venables – Coach Venables does not give out compliments – and that's freshman Kelly ever. Right. To, really to anybody. <laughs> right. to be honest. Outside of James Skowski, who's been there for a hundred years. Um, 
they were geeking out about him. And they were overly excited saying, this he's going to be a guy, he's going to be a dude, and then he breaks his arm and we don't get to see him in the spring game. Well, now he's had a full fall and he's had a full you know, summer to develop. I would not be shocked at all if, if this guy has a lot of playing time as an impactful player and really just in that multiple safety set that Clemson does if he's on the field more often than not against Georgia. Mac, you mentioned, and I'm excited to watch Makuba. He's from the ATX, by the way. Shout out. Um, you mentioned JT Daniels. And you say maybe the hype is a little too much for him. Is there any way that perhaps we've been overhyping DJ? I think there's certainly when you get to a a, a certain threshold that that could creep in, and, mm-hmm. and a guy that there's so much expectation. Man, this guy's gonna be a generational talent. He's only played two games. Like let's pump the brakes a little bit and and you know let him develop and let him be his own person. Now I have seen him up close and personal. We did see last year and and the. The traits are there, and, and so it's a lot of pressure to put on these young men, but at the end of the day, that's where this game is going. And, and so I, I don't think it's unfair of us to do that, um, but it definitely is, is a lot of added pressure that no one else at that age has to deal with. No doubt. And I do think the expectations are just so high. If he doesn't go out there and throw four touchdowns, are people going to be upset? Exactly. It, it's it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to follow and, and Trevor kinda, Lawrence. And it's kind of like the, the – Really, the Heisman Trophy, I don't know, kind of just standard that Trevor was put to. Like, there there yeah. was nothing that Trevor could do after his freshman year that would get him any of those awards. Right. He, right. he would have to be perfect in every piece of the category. If he played anywhere else and, and had the seasons that he had, I guarantee he would win major awards. But it's just kind of how it is, where it is, and, and the, the pressure and the standard that comes with being where you are. So uh, as interesting mm-hmm. as that that is – uh, it's certainly something to pay attention to for both of these uh, inexperienced, I'll call them, not young uh, quarterbacks. Let's talk keys to the game, and then we'll we'll give our picks here. We're going to give our picks against the spread, and of course we'll tell you who we think is going to win. If if we think Georgia plus three is the play, we're still going to tell you if we think Clemson might win by a point or something like that. But let's start with keys to the game, Matt. Give me your key for Clemson. Give me your key for Georgia, and I'm going to throw a key in there as well. Yeah. Okay. We got three keys. I love that. Uh, looking looking at Clemson, to me, it comes down to limiting the run, not shutting down the run, not stopping the run, because that's just what Georgia does. I think Coach Sweeney said uh, today in his press conference before the game said Georgia's coming off the bus running. That's just what they do, and and so you're you're not going to be able to stop it, but can you limit it on defense? I think you'll find great success if you're able to do that. And then the key to, to the game for Georgia. Uh, is going to be protect JT Daniels. If you can keep him upright, if you can help him throw the ball, that's going to be where um, you know you find success. If he's having to run around, if he has his eyes down at the defense instead of downfield making plays, I think it could be a really long night for Georgia. And um, this is I'm just getting this in my ear from our producer, uh, which is Richmond Weaver, but he does stuff later, so this is just from my own head. We will give our spread picks later on. In our seaside ground picks. That's right. Come on. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Way to go, Kelly. Um, okay. One of the things that I'm really watching in this Clemson-Georgia game, I agree with you on both of those, Mac. And I'm going to give a little more of uh, an outside-the-box key. I think whichever team can generate more explosive plays with their running backs in the passing game will have a great chance to win this game. James Cook has, show, has shown that ability for Georgia against Alabama. Wes Blankenship mentioned that. And then I believe the guy that Clemson's going to use is Will Shipley in the passing game, um, but from the running back position. 
Last year, Clemson used ETN all the time in that role. I don't think Shipley's going to have like 15 targets or anything, but a wheel route or something that goes off for a big play, whether it's James Cook making those plays or Will Shipley, I think that could be a big key. So I'd keep an eye on that. I love that. Yeah, that, that's something that, again, is is a unique piece of the game that can really change everything. So I, I think that's a great key and, and really excited to see what does this game come down to? Because it's only going to be three, four plays. That, that When you get to this level, uh, th- this type of competition, you can narrow it down and say, yep, that changed the game, that changed the game, and that's why they won. And, and so we're going to be able to see that, and we'll break it down on Monday. Cannot wait to see the result. Oh, man. We'll be ready. All right. We got to get to three more games in our big four, and then, of course, we're going to talk about a few more. So let's keep rolling. I am super excited for this game, and I love that it's Friday. I love that it gets kind of its own slot. Number 10, North Carolina at Virginia Tech. It's tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN. North Carolina is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is at 66. We know UNC is going to be able to score, Mac. I think the biggest concern here, if you're a Tar Heel fan, is the atmosphere in Blacksburg, because we hear it's a sellout, and then specifically the defense. How good, how improved can this defense look? So what are you expecting on those fronts, Mac? Yeah, well, starting with the the crowd, I cannot wait to see this on TV. Wish we were there in person, wish we had a presence, but it is going to be exceptional. Inner Sandman, uh, the the Hokie Nation, these guys are going to be going berserk, Kelly. The the environment is going to be so special. And how does that play into you know this UNC offense? How, how are they going to react? How are they going to handle it? Uh, you know, minus four of their best players they've had in recent history, uh, and, and for the first time in over a year having to deal with this type of crowd and this type of environment. So we all know what Sam Howe's going to bring to the table. We know how great he is, uh, and we know what they lost. I want to look at the guys that they have and who's coming back and Josh Downs. And, and we did you know, uh, the preview episode of both of these teams in Clemson and North Carolina Monday and, and just spoke about you know how special can Josh be. I, I think he's going to end up being on a first-team All-ACC team. I think he has great speed. He has great quickness really making him an all-around route runner. But Coffrey Brown, Emory Simmons, uh, uh, Anthony Green, Garrett Walson, I-, I think these guys are going to be these exceptional weapons and, and really be able to uh, you know, be dynamite. And then Ty Chandler, a-, a guy who just was built for this offense, KG. So I'm excited to see him. Can't wait to see what the production looks like. But where I get most excited, as you mentioned, is this defense. What are they going to look like? Can they actually win UNC games with guys like Jafari Ritzy, Keyshawn Silver, Miles Murphy, Desmond Evans, all up front, all freshmen and sophomore, these big beasts on top of the veterans that they have uh, sprinkled throughout this defense? I'm excited to see it. The secondary is going to be locked down. They're going to be able to handle guys up front. How are they going to go against Virginia Tech and attack them? That's what I can't wait to see on Friday night. You know, I think we all believe this UNC offense is going to be special. It's just a matter of figuring out what it looks like and how it accomplishes that. So I'm very intrigued to see which weapons step up for Sam Howell. And and most importantly to me, how does Ty Chandler look? Does he look like he can really carry the load for North Carolina at running back? For Virginia Tech, their offense is interesting to me. Okay, because Braxton Burmeister, we don't know much about what he's capable of. And this is a huge stage for Braxton Burmeister thrown in there. We know that they are loaded in terms of pass catchers. Trey Turner is a baller. James Mitchell, best tight end in the ACC. The offensive line is going to be good. But 
When I think Virginia Tech last year, I think Khalil Herbert. He did everything for them. I'm not sure you can just replace him with one of these young guys. So that concerns me for Virginia Tech offensively. I'm just not really sure what their identity is going to be, Mac. I agree with you. And I think the biggest question mark for for them as an entire team is going to be the consistency of the quarterback position. You know, can Braxton step up and be the guy? You know, there's no one behind him to split reps. There's no one behind him to chase him to say, okay, I'm going to challenge you and you know, this is his team and this is his offense. And, and you know, is he going to be able to step up enough to, to take that ownership, to be a dual threat guy and to improve his throwing uh, abilities? I think the biggest thing that he has to work on, you know, personally is decision making and accuracy and, and things that this UNC defense can hurt you if you do not, you know, make the right decision. They have enough bodies on the edge now and at the DB position to where they can force turnovers and they can take the ball away from you. So, looking at it there and then of course running back as you said this team is built to run the ball with the offensive line that they have the big wide receivers are not afraid to block and a tight end like James Mitchell you know who's going to step up to be the guy can Raheem Blackshear step up and be running back one I I don't know if he can kind of similar with Lynn J Dixon at Clemson I don't think he's really running back one material I think he's a great role player I think he does great from a backup position but you know when you're the guy it's a lot different and so looking at him, Jalen Holston, or even Keyshawn King, Keyshawn King, two years ago, he was fantastic. His freshman year, we were all jacked up, excited about what he could be. A little bit of injury bug has hit him here and there. But you know, running back and quarterback, going to be a, a level of consistency that we really need to see rise for Virginia Tech. No doubt about it. And we'll see if we really get those answers on Friday, because it's a long season. And I may be wrong on this, Mac. You tell me if you completely disagree. I think the play on this game is actually the under. Now, I know you you might be saying points, 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 because UNC is going to score. But let's not forget, this is game one. And Sam Howell is breaking in a lot of new weapons. And this UNC offense is on the road in Blacksburg in front of a sellout. And in UNC's first game last year, even with their offense, they only scored like 31 on Syracuse. So I think this is going to be a little bit of an uglier game one type of matchup. And uh, that can maybe lead you to what I think about this spread later on. But do you see this game being uglier or am I off on that? I think 66 is high. Um, I, I do think that, that you certainly hit the, the under here and you're going to make some good money and you know, give 10% to, to Kelly or I, whatever that's you want right, to do that's there. Right. Or um, actually, go use it on, and buy some Seaside Grown. Do that's that. right. Come on. Way to take care of our partners. I agree with you. <laughs> and, and I think, again, the um, the atmosphere is going to be something that plays a part big time. And, and it's going to be interesting to see, is this offense able to pick up right where they left off in, in the Orange Bowl and have some really key guys step up and like Josh Downs and make big time plays? Or is there going to be a little bit of a, a struggle? So, Week one, game one, Friday night, back with fans on the road. I think you hammer the under. I, I like that pick, Kelly. Who There are quite a few guys on each side of the ball for UNC Virginia Tech on defense that are talented, that we're excited about. Who's the game changer? Who is the defensive player in this game that you think can make the biggest impact? I think I'm going to say both teams because I think uh, Eugene Asante can be that for UNC. We saw him play with his hair on fire against Texas A&M, and, and that's going to be a very similar game plan that he is going to see with Virginia Tech with run heavy, some play-action pass, and he can really have an impact sideline to sideline. Uh, for, for Virginia Tech, I think I have to say Jermaine Waller. I, I think that if he can be back to his 
uh, lockdown self where he can line up against whoever your best wide receiver is and essentially remove them from the equation, that's going to be tough. If he can line up on Josh Downs and say, nah, you're, you're done, uh, that's going to be tough for UNC. If he can't, uh, then it could be a long night for that defense of Virginia Tech. All right, Matt, give me your key for North Carolina, your key for Virginia Tech, and I have suddenly, I've made up a name for my key. It's called Kelly's Random Key, all right? So I'll give that at the end. It's random, but it definitely pertains to the game. So Kelly's Random Key that can open any door. Ooh, I love it. it it's a good one. It's a good one. Kelly's uh, For UNC, that's right. <laughs> for UNC, it's going to be protecting Sam Howell, and, and can you kind of, Limit slash shut down Amari Barno, you know, because he was such a freaky defensive end for Virginia Tech. He's going to be a guy that they line up in a bunch of different spots. You have to know where he is. You have to identify him. So for UNC, protect Sam. Don't take a bunch of negative plays or sacks. And then for Virginia Tech is can Burmeister throw on these DBs for UNC with Tony Grimes, Storm Duck, Kyler McMichael. Uh, Those guys are going to be all over these wide receivers for Virginia Tech, is he able to make the throws necessary? If either team does one or the other, uh, you know they're going to be just fine. If they do both, if both of them are able to do this, maybe that over-under isn't so bad. I love those, Mac. You're right. I, Virginia Tech, I'm so intrigued by what their offense is going to look like. I, I'm not doubting it. I just, I'm curious. I'm just curious as to what it's going to look like. All right, my random key here. And this is not random if you're a Tar Heel fan because you're already thinking about this. It's turnovers. North Carolina had some silly turnovers, especially on the road last year. Can they avoid that? A lot of that is Sam Howell knowing when he needs to throw the ball away, not take sacks, not get fumbles forced and things like that. Last year, North Carolina was finished with a negative turnover margin. All right. They only forced 11 turnovers on defense. You don't have to force turnovers if you're UNC because you are going to score. But I think they need to end up positive in the turnover margin because it's tough to win on the road when you lose the turnover margin. I completely agree with you. And can you just imagine what Lane Stadium would sound like if they get a big interception, if they get a big sack on Sam? I mean, it is going to erupt. So I've said it a hundred times. I cannot wait to watch this game. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere Friday Night Lights. Momentum can be a scary thing when you are the visiting team, especially when the other stadium is, is packed out. Okay, let's talk about... Another ACC-SEC showdown. This game is in Atlanta, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Number 14, Miami, versus number 1, Alabama. 3.30 p.m. on ABC. So this is this is the opening act. You know, Alabama, all right, you're the opening act for Clemson, Georgia. <laughs> Alabama's an 18.5-point favorite. Over under here, 62.5. I may have given out a Gramlet guarantee on this game a little earlier in our podcast episodes here, but... This game is fascinating on so many levels, and I think it starts with what we know, which is we know Derek King, and we know what he's capable of, but we have the health questions, and then, of course, we have the questions of, you've got some dudes for Alabama. Can they contain King and make him look somewhat human? But I I think it all starts with Derek King. There is no question about that. King's mobility specifically Kelly is going to be a huge factor in this game with, with an offensive line that has you know grown up a little bit and gotten better and, and maybe even have a, a prospective first round talent uh, in, in Zion Nelson at left tackle. Is he healthy? We've heard some stuff about he's been facing some injuries at left tackle. Um, King's ability to extend plays with his legs 
will give Alabama problems. Historically, we have seen that happen time and time again. And not just extend plays and, and run, Kelly. Extend plays and keep his eyes downfield. Is there a young cornerback or a young uh, safety that sees D'Eric out running and triggers down and leaves a Charleston Rambo, a, a Keyshawn Smith, uh, Mike Harley wide open for, for a big play or a touchdown? And so I think that if we see that, it could get interesting really quickly. You know, we we, we have the... 91% of the offensive production coming back, but those a couple of guys I just mentioned in freshmen starting, Keyshawn Smith and Charleston Rambo transfer from Oklahoma, those guys have to be huge. They have to deliver and, and be consistent and be you know just big-time players. When you look at the defense for Miami, there's a lot of talent, uh, Kelly. And, and, of course, we know our guy, Manny Diaz, is back calling plays. He's going to act as the defensive coordinator And at the end of the day, the line of scrimmage is going to be what matters. Can you hold up this great Alabama offensive line? Can the front seven of Miami hold the point and and just limit getting gashed? And if the answer is yes, uh, then this game could be interesting. If the answer is no, uh, it could be a blowout very quickly. It could. And for me with Miami, and this might be one of my random key later, but you got to stay in this game early. You have to for a variety of reasons. But I think a lot of it is confidence-wise. I mean, if you if De'Ara King throws a pick early or there's a turnover or, you know, whatever it is, big sack and a fumble recovery, I'm not sure you can recover from that momentum. But the longer you stay in the game, the more Alabama, if, even if they won't admit it, starts thinking to themselves, yeah, we really aren't the same. You know, we, we don't see Mac Jones back there. We see young Bryce Young. You put pressure on him, put pressure on him to make plays. And, of course, John Mechie as well. So, the beginning of this game is going to be so important for Miami to stay around. And with Bama, look, they're still Bama. But we can't just give Bama a pass every year and say, oh, they're Bama no matter what. I think we still have to look at the depth chart. We still have to look and see what they lost. And they lost some absolute dudes. John Mechie was great last year, but that's about all they bring back in Slade Bolden. They have a young um, running back in Brian Robinson Jr. But it really comes down to Bryce Young. Can he activate these weapons like Mac Jones and Tua and Jalen Hurts did? I agree. It's a lot of new faces on this offense. So much production lost to the NFL. It's going to be really interesting to see, you know, number one, how does Bryce Young perform? Is he going to be calm? Is he going to be fine and ready in this defense with with some werewolves like Zach McLeod and Jafari Harvey coming after him? Is he going to be able to deliver and make strikes that are necessary to win a game? Um, so is it going to be business as usual where Bama reloads like Clemson does, like Georgia does, like Ohio State does, or are there going to be some growing pains and we're going to see a little bit of unproven talent that, that may be not on the same page. So knowing Nick Saban, knowing that the, the way that he operates, I have to lean more towards the reload, but certainly if there's a year you want to play them, uh, this is it. This is it. And early and often, but Looking at the defense, Kelly, it, it is uh, business as usual there. They're, they're, they're going to have one of the best in the country when it's all said and done. This linebacking core is just, they're freaky. Two preseason All-Americans, Will Anderson, Christian Harris, those guys are going to be flying around and making some big-time plays. But that's where a mobile quarterback can really help you out in some misdirection and getting those guys, getting their eyes to go different places and, and maybe hitting them on the back door. So I'm very intrigued to see this. Rhett Lashley always has a great plan. And anytime King's on the field, you, your team has a chance at the end of the day. No doubt. And if this game, I said I think Virginia Tech 
and UNC is going to be uglier. If this game is uglier, Miami will cover. I, I firmly believe that. But if they try to play a shootout, if they try to get into a shootout, as we say in basketball, if you try to run with these guys, that's not going to happen. This needs to be a half-court game, Miami, okay? This needs to be a field position and um, time of possession kind of game. And, and that also brings up the question, can Miami run it effectively with Cameron Harris and their O-line? That's a huge question because I think Bama's still going to be able to run it. But this game needs to be ugly. <laughs> it needs to be ugly. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Gross for Miami. Do you agree? I, just, I, I agree with you. And I think some mistakes are going to have to be made. Some, some luck will be involved. Because that's just where Alabama is, guys, and, and there's no uh, denying that. I mean, the, the, these guys are on a unbelievable dynasty run, and, and Miami is still bouncing back. And so that takes a little luck at times for Miami to, uh, to, to win the deal or even to be hanging around and being competitive. All right, Matt, give me your key for Miami and your key for Alabama. Yeah, the, the key for Miami is is really simple, but maybe tough uh, to do. De'Aaron King has to play like a Heisman Trophy candidate. He cannot make mistakes. He, he has to be brilliant, Kelly. There, there needs to be times that we're watching this game and we just gasp that, did he really just make that play? And, you know, something that maybe, be, maybe is a little underrated is how does he react when he takes a hit? I doubt he has been hit in fall camp. I know he wasn't hit in spring because he was recovering. What does he look like when he gets rocked by Will Anderson or Christian Harris? Does he pop back up? Does he linger on the ground? Are we concerned every second of this game watching that happen? And then for Alabama, it's even more simple. Just be who you are. Just just go into this game understanding that we are Alabama. This is what we do. We play in big-time games, and we win. And so I think at the end of the day, it's, it's two very simple keys, uh, but one's a little bit more difficult than the other. Yeah, and, and my random key is pretty simple, too. It's what I alluded to earlier. It's the beginning part of the game and, and the confidence. Can Miami, I know that Manny Diaz and Miami are going to say the right things, but do they actually believe that they can win the game? And do they play like they can? Because um, you're going to tell me that you can, but deep down, do you believe? That's, that's a big key for me <laughs> with right. Miami. That's right. That's right. I love it. So, Kelly, the last one here in this big four, I think this game is a little bit underrated yes. on the national stage. And I'm going with a little bit of Louisville Ole Miss action Monday Night Football. I love it. Eight o'clock on ESPN, Ole Miss a nine and a half point favorite. You know, this game, I think this game is pretty simple when it comes down to it. How much can Louisville stop Ole Miss? Because Ole Miss is going to score. And then can Louisville get their offense back to some sort of Satterfield-looking offense. And we know Malik Cunningham. I feel like he's going to have a good year. But where are the weapons? And who are the weapons? They, they exist, but can they be activated in a big game like this with Ole Miss? Louisville has been the single most difficult team for me to break down. Expectation-wise, what I think is going to happen, I have no clue. And it's super funny, Kelly. If you remember when we did this preview throughout the, the beginning of August here, I said that about Louisville a couple of months ago, and then uh, probably a week later, Mark Packer says the same thing. So I'm like, at least somebody's on my side and someone agrees. I just don't know what they're going to look like. I know that they have bright spots. I know Satterfield's back to calling plays. Uh, the, the offensive line should be improved. The backfield should be a nice stable with Hassan Hall and Jalen Mitchell, but I don't know. I, I've seen two very different programs in two years, and I'm just not sure. And when you look at Ole Miss, 
They have an offensive genius in Lane Kiffin. They're going to run a. They're going to want to throw the ball, run the ball, explosive plays, and you know Matt Corral has the arm. He has the talent to do so. Um, the the key for this game is both defenses are not great, and, and they're not going to be great. I don't think this year. So really, my overarching key for this game, Kelly, is score, score, and score again. There, there's not going to be a lead that's safe, and there's not enough points that you can score in this game to win. Yeah, you got to score. Score the ball. I'll. That's my. <laughs> you got to score. And Malik Cunningham, like, let's see it. You know, let's see it. Let's see some poise. Let's cut down on the picks. And yes, you lose two two Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick. They supplied sixty percent of your receiving yards last year. I get it. I'm not expecting you to work miracles, man. But let's see some poise from Malik Cunningham. I completely agree with you, KG. But guess what? It is almost time for the speed round. But guys, we're going to do something a little bit different before. We're going to give you guys our Seaside Grown Fresh Picks of the Week each and every week. Uh, Again, thank you to our big sponsor. Excited to have them on. And uh, it's time to give our picks, Kelly. It is, Mac. But first, tailgating is an all-day event. And I believe that with my entire heart and body and soul. This coming Saturday, I'll be having three courses, maybe four, if you count the cookie cake before the game in Charlotte, (laughs) no doubt. Let Seaside Grown help you get ready for game day. Start your tailgate off right with Seaside's award-winning Bloody Mary Mix. It's super simple. Just add your spirit of choice and all the other flavors are there. And you can make this as strong or as weak as you need to, Mac, if you are perhaps a lightweight and need to sustain the day. I don't know anyone (laughs) like that, but just possibly. Um, No adding this or that necessary. Pour, shake, garnish, drink, repeat every single game day. Kelly, this is where it gets really fun for me. I told you earlier they have 19 true field-to-glass products, and two of my absolute favorite, their barbecue sauces. Peach bourbon, smoking blue. Y'all, these are killer. Wait till you see these peach bourbon wings that I did on the Traeger last night. You're going to start drooling, and I might send you the recipe, but I'll tell you how you can help yourself. Go to SeasideGrown.com. Select the Bloody Mary mix of your choice, maybe both. You go with the spicy, you go with the original, and then go and select these two barbecue sauces. When you check out, use our code KICKOFF to save 15% on your entire order. That's SeasideGrown.com. Okay, KG, speaking of picking tomatoes and peaches and blueberries, let's pick some college football games. Come on. Let's do it. I think, I wonder if the listeners can guess how we're going after we break down the games, but... Let's start, Mac. I'll give my pick, then you give your pick. All right? The first game, number three, Clemson versus number five, Georgia. Clemson is a three-point favorite. I am taking Clemson minus three, and I am taking Clemson to win the game. I still think it's going to be close. I really do. I think Clemson ends up winning by six, seven, maybe even three, maybe even a field goal, and then that's a push. But for me, the play is Clemson minus three, and I think the Tigers will win outright. What about you, Eric McLean? I love it, KG. And I also think if you guys remember my predicted score, it was 35 to 17. So I'm giving you a double here. You're going to take the over and you're going to take Clemson. I think the Tigers handle business and I think they, uh, you know, kind of send out an alert across college football. All right, Eric McClain. I love it. All right. The second game here, number 10, North Carolina at Virginia Tech. Mac, I'm going to surprise you here. All right. I think North Carolina is going to win the game, but I'm taking Virginia Tech plus five and a half. Because I do think this game is going to be ugly. I think it's, it's a week one. 
you're in Blacksburg, that, that is a factor. This place is going to be packed out. And North Carolina has struggled historically on the road in Blacksburg. UNC started slow last year with that Syracuse game. I think this game is uncomfortably close for a lot of Tar Heel fans, but I still think UNC wins it, so don't hate me. <laughs> um, but I have Virginia Tech fans. I have Virginia Tech plus five and a half. And just looking at that over-under, I do think the under is is a play here. What do you think, Mac? I like that, and I love your explanation. You, you tell me who's going to win. You tell me all – I like that as well. I'm going UNC. <laughs> I'm not sure you're buying I'm it, taking, That's right. I, I'm taking UNC. I think they're going to win by more than five and a half. I, I do – or I will take the under here as well, though. I, I think it's going to be a, a touchdown or more game. I, I think that UNC is going to find a way to you know, kind of put the nation on notice. I, I think it is going to be a little sloppy and difficult because – uh, the, the environment and that first game jitters, all kinds of things. But I do think, you know, UNC is going to handle business and win the game. All right. Our third game here in our big four, number 14, Miami versus number one, Alabama. Alabama is an 18 and a half point favorite over under at 62 and a half. Mac, I talked about this earlier. I am taking Miami plus 18 and a half. And a lot of this, I think Bama is still going to win the game. A lot of this is principle for me. And, and look, I might die on this hill, but I don't think you can lose Everything you lost last year, bring in Bryce Young, who we've heard has not been that great in fall camp, and just roll over Miami. I think Miami has a little bit too much pride for that. Now, I could regret this, all right? (laughs) I think that's very, very possible, and I'll own up to it on Monday. But I have Miami plus 18.5, but I still have Alabama winning the football game. I'm right there with you, and I do not think that, you know— Miami's going to get blown out by three scores. I think that would be very difficult. Okay, so you're ta- are you taking Miami? I'm taking plus Miami the plus the points, and, and I think I'm, I'm pretty confident about it. Um, and that's maybe more respectful of who Miami is, and less of you know thinking Alabama can't just reload. I, I just think that Miami is going to be a solid team this year. I think their offense is going to be really good, explosive, and you know be able to score points. I, I'm unsure about that over under total, uh, just because of the world that we live in with. You know these type type of big big time matchups equal a lot of points recently, and not a lot of defense. So I wouldn't go near that, but I will take Miami plus eighteen and a half. And our fourth game here of our big four: Louisville versus Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a nine and a half point favorite. This over under is ridiculous at seventy five and a half. I oh Mac, this was a tough one for me. I just I have no clue what what uh, Louisville is going to look like. And I think offense is going to win the day here. I'm taking Ole Miss minus nine and a half. And I think Ole Miss is going to win the game. All right. Time for a little separation. This is where I die on the ACC hill. Oh, good luck. You know, when it's an Alabama or or a team of that nature, you know, I'll, I'll be smart. But here, I'm dying with Louisville. Don't know what they're going to do. Don't know what they're going to look like. But I'm taking Louisville plus nine and a half. And I'm also taking the over. I think we're going to have a ton of points. I, I think it's going to be you know, a 40-plus each side point game. So that gives you, what, 80-something? Give give me the over, give me all the offense, and give me a ton of points, KG. Are you taking Ole Miss to win? I don't know. It doesn't matter for this segment. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going we'll, to we'll leave that you know, open. You know, no, I, I, I'm going Louisville. I'm picking Louisville to win the game. I am, absolutely. All right, Mac. You've got Louisville. I love it. We're, we're going a little different here because we had the same winners for every game. We didn't have the same spreads. Um, let me recap this really fast here. Max picks Clemson minus three and take the over, and he has Clemson winning the game. North Carolina minus five and a half. He has Miami plus 18 and a half, but Bama winning. And Louisville plus nine and a half, and Louisville winning the ball game. On my side, Clemson minus three, Tigers win. 
Virginia Tech plus five and a half, but UNC wins. Miami plus 18 and a half, but Bama wins. And Ole Miss minus nine and a half. Ole Miss wins the football game there. Okay, Mac, it is time for the speed round. Let's get to a few more games here before we head out and before you guys who are listening head to the tailgate. Florida State versus number nine, Notre Dame, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Notre Dame's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Initial thoughts on this game. I, I don't know what to expect here. I think this could go either way. I, I don't either. And, and I also do not understand the you know love affair with Notre Dame and watching the guys from game day and seeing a lot of them putting Notre Dame in their playoff or what? in their projected How? top four. How? I don't know. They lost four out of five offensive linemen, a great tight end, a quarterback that's played 100 years, all their wide receivers, so many people on the defense. I just don't know what to expect. Similar to Louisville, I don't know. I think FSU has a really good opportunity here to get a ranked win at home to start their season. A lot has to depend on the quarterback, though. With Mackenzie Milton, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be the guy? Or is it going to be Jordan Travis? And how much growth and and you know better has he gotten you know from the the fall and, and spring? So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I like this game. I love that it's on Sunday night. Everybody's going to be watching. Uh, but certainly a great opportunity for Florida State. It is. I'm excited for that game. Can FSU run the ball? I think that's one of my big questions. Mac, Syracuse is an underdog at Ohio. I'm scared. It's on CBS Sports Network, so no one will see it. So that's probably good. <laughs> but I, I'm just, I'm worried. I'm worried. Do you have any thoughts? I am confident that Ohio wins this game. And uh, I don't think it's going to be good. I'm worried for Syracuse this, this year with who's going to be quarterback, who's going to run out first. Do they both play? I have no clue. I am excited. If there's something to be excited about of this Syracuse team, it's the defense in year two. It's that 3-3-5. It's Garrett Williams. It's Mikel Jones, two guys that I think can play anywhere. Can they do enough to win football games? I'm not sure. Uh, but that would be the only bright spot that I see for, uh, for our friends at Syracuse. <sighs> Yikes. Okay, Duke at Charlotte. Our final game here in our speed round. Duke's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a 7 o'clock game on CBS Sports Network. Okay, Mac, this is the beginning of Duke going over the three and a half. This is the beginning of the Grambling Guarantee where Duke goes over three and a half. So let's go Duke. I, they killed Charlotte last year. I'm feeling good about Duke in this game and especially Mateo Durant. I'm a little concerned oh, about no. Duke. It is at Charlotte. The environment's going to be interesting. It's not what you're necessarily used to when you go on the road. Uh, but I'm excited for Mateo Durant. Excited to see him be the guy and, and can – you know, wide receivers like Jake Bobo, Jalen Calhoun, can they step up and finally, you know, become stars, you know, for this offense? And, you know, quarterback, you know, can we make good decisions, not turn the ball over? That That's what it's going to come down to for Duke for really this entire season, KG. I'm confident. Duke minus six and a half. I think they can run over. I think they'll, they'll be able to run the ball enough. And they're not going to. Their offensive line is is decent enough yeah. to where you would, you would feel they confident. They can't have the turnover issues that they had last year. They just can't. That's I think right. they get it done. That's right. Okay, Mac, <laughs> give me your final thoughts here just very quickly on Wake, BC, Pitt, Georgia Tech, Virginia. Go. Yeah, it, these teams, not great games, not great opponents. Wake Forest is going to demolish ODU. I expect them to spend uh, a lot of time on offense, whether creating turnovers, making big plays. Excited to see that. Boston College, maybe score 100 against Colgate. Do you know who Colgate's mascot is? Because I don't. Toothbrush. Uh, it'll be... A toothbrush. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see those guys. Pitt, you know, should roll UMass. 
be fun to see that defense and Kenny Pickett. Georgia Tech. We should have maybe given Georgia Tech a little bit more love and put them in the speed round because this could be a massive win for those guys. Northern Illinois at home. You know, really just start your season off right. And then Virginia playing William and Mary. What are you doing? Why are we playing this game? You know what's interesting? The old head coach, Mike London of UVA, is now the head coach of William and Mary. So maybe that's why. Maybe they just wanted to see each other, check up how they're doing, and you know, potentially hurt some players in the process. But it's going to be a fun year, guys. Football is back. We're here. It's kickoff weekend. Uh, cannot wait to see you guys. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. But until next time, we'll see you all.